Hello and welcome to FCC Talk. I am your host, John Rhodes, Children's and Family Minister here at First Christian Church, and I'm joined today by Worship Minister Dan Stribling. Dan, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Glad to be here. Yeah, glad to have you here. I got some exciting topics to talk about today. As Mm -hmm. you know, those who listen, if this is your first time, thank you. We appreciate that. But FCC Talk is just all about uplifting conversation. We talk about some news topics, some ministry insights. Uh, Sometimes we get into a little bit of theology, the Bible, stuff like that, but it's not you know, this isn't necessarily a sermon. It's not something that, you know, Dan and I did hours of Bible study on or anything like that. We just, <laughs> we, we kind of read through some stuff and kind of have our thoughts on it, share our thoughts and converse. Many thoughts. Another. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes more thoughts than others. Um, but it, it's, it's a good time. We enjoy doing it and we hope you like it too. Um, before we get into it, please do remember to like and subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, we appreciate that. And that helps us out. All right, Dan. So our first topic of conversation is that cash giving has hit a new low, a 10-year low in 2022 for churches, except for like the richest ones. We're talking about the ones that bring in like 20 plus million dollars. That's not us. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But essentially, cash giving is is being lowered across the United States in churches is, is basically what we're getting to here. And Ever, it's kind of been ever since COVID. Now, obviously, 2021 was okay, but 2022 is where this starts, and we're currently in 2023, so I'm sure the reports will come out about that later. It's kind of new, uncharted territory for the church. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was 10 years ago, but, you know, I wasn't even... Was I minist- I wasn't even in ministry ten years ago, so it's a sure, territory. Sure. I mean, I was in church. I wasn't working in a church. <laughs> I guess that's the way I should put it. Uh, but Dan, my question to you is: Do you see the decrease of cash giving in churches as a good thing or as a bad thing? Well, obviously, it's. I, I think it'd be kind of hard to see it as a good thing. You know, I, I don't. I don't think it's a good thing. I think that. Um, I think it's a multi-layered issue. You know, I don't necessarily think that people are completely checking out on church. I I think that it's kind of indicative of a number of external issues. You know, I mean, we're right in the middle of a fairly massive economic downturn uh, right now, and that's going to be affecting a lot of people. I mean, I I don't know anybody that hasn't felt a little bit of the squeeze from that. But at the same time, I also remember you know, the years 2008, 2009, which was the last real big economic downturn of my lifetime as an adult. And I remember we were having a lot of these same kind of conversations then because, you know, um, giving was way down in those couple of years. And uh, I I think it's just, uh, it's kind of reactionary to the environment around us. And I'm just hoping that things catch up. I think so too. And it, it was interesting when we, when I first read this article, because, and for those of you, if you don't pay attention to the budgeting here that happens at the church, I know that's not everybody's first check in the morning, you know, <laughs> what's yeah. the budget for the church look like? <laughs> um, but if you, if you haven't been paying attention, we actually increased our budget this year. Uh, due to we the, had a solid year last year. Yeah. I mean, very faithful giving. I, what were we up in like the 90 some percent or something like 93? That, I think we made 93% of budget. Right, That's which, really good. If you've never worked in a nonprofit, if you make it 93% of your budget, very good. <laughs> you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we, 
we have a large budget and that's awesome because we have so many ministries and things we want to support. Unfortunately, we, we hardly ever meet that budget. I don't, I've never worked at a church that met budget every single no. year. Um, but you it's know, more like a goal you're shooting for than a exactly. milestone. Yeah. Well, and we always call it faith-based budgeting too. You know, we mm-hmm. have faith yeah, in God absolutely. that he's going to provide and have this happen. And so, um, you know, for me, I was kind of like, you know, not, not looking down on anybody else, obviously, but, but just mm-hmm. thinking of our church and, and how faithful our people have been. And I truly yeah. do believe that when our people are faithful and our staff and our leadership is faithful, we have God's favor. Um, am I going to say that churches in America don't have God's favor? No, I'm not saying that. But I think at least in our situation with our church, it's a reflection of us being faithful, not only with our teaching, with our worship, but also just our congregation being faithful to God and recognizing their sacrifice for Him and and how much they enjoy coming to church here and and how healthy it is. Do you have any more thoughts on on kind of how that... goes into giving in the church, Dan, the health yeah, and faithfulness? I mean, it, it, it's kind of critical, honestly. I mean, we're, we're called to be faithful. Um, and this is actually kind of a deep topic for me because one of the ways that I've seen God move the strongest through my life is through consistent faithfulness, you know, which is it sounds so easy, but it's really, really difficult in practice, you know, whereas, you know, I've had the very, very incredible blessing of being able to see God, you know, and his provision for me over the years. And um, when it comes to giving, we really need to put, you know, we talk about, you know, faith-based budgeting. Right. Well, as as followers, we also need to have faith-based giving to understand, you know, that, you know, um, God is the true source of the provision of our needs. And, but at the same time, I don't think it's like we got to put money in to get something out of God. You know, it's a right. very deeply it's not a personal, yeah. it's not a, it, yeah, this is not karmic at all. This is just, you know, trying to be followers of Christ and, you know, be the light to the world and do what he wants us to do. But, but, you know, being consistent, being faithful, you know, it, it's, it's vital to the whole thing. Well, and I think, you know, uh, I forget the exact verse in Luke. Um, I used to know it very well, but um, obviously I've forgotten the verse reference. But, um, you know, to whom much is given, much is expected. You know, I mean, it's not mm-hmm. a karma thing, but, you know, God right, right, looks right. and he sees and he says, you know, I've given you much and you've worked with that. So I'm going to yep. keep giving you more. And, you know. Not only is more money for the church a blessing, but it's also more responsibility to be faithful with that. Money absolutely, it absolutely. In the right way, because you know God knows who He can trust and who He can't trust, and uh, I, I think that's a, a great blessing. Uh, not not just, and when I say God's favor, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean like God's going to give us more money, but you know yeah. that's part of it too. Is that God trusts us and He sees uh, what we're doing and, and those kind of things. So. Um, Dan, my other question is, is this decrease in cash giving and yeah. increase in online giving, right? I think, I think we see this a little bit in our time today is that there's this decrease in cash giving, but there's also an increase in online giving, at least ever since COVID. Just one more reflection of how the church is becoming more digital today. Oh, I think so. I mean, the, the entire world is becoming more digital. And I think that 
um, part of the success of the church in the future is going to be to adapt to the way the world functions. I mean, that's just a very, very practical sort of thing. You know, when, when um, I think a lot about when in, during the Great Commission, when Christ said, you know, go into all the world, right? Well, what does that mean? What does that mean to go into the world? What that means is to enter into the spaces where people are. Where are people now? They're online. You know, I mean, so I mean, that that is how the world has come to function. And so, yeah, I think that, you know, going to more online giving that does show the church is shifting to more of an online type presence, online type functionality. But at the same time, I think it's completely appropriate because that's the way the world's moving, whether we like it or not. And I also think this is another kind of aside for this whole situation. Some of the reason I think that we're seeing this. Like in the article itself, it says, you know, giving's basically cash giving is decreasing for all except the riches of churches. Well, there's a lot of church consolidation happening right now that was accelerated by COVID. I mean, throughout the COVID years and even prior to the COVID years, there have been many, many, many very small congregations that over the last, I would say, 10 to 15 years have shuttered their doors, and then those folks have gone and become part of larger church congregations. And so we're, what we're seeing is kind of this shift away from the normal small church to more community-type churches. And so there's there's really this kind of shift of giving that's happening along with a cash decrease in giving as well. The whole landscape is just changing right now. And so I think the big thing to watch over the next couple of years is how does it trend? What direction do things go? We'll see. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. And it, 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 it's sad to see churches closing, obviously. I mean, on my drive from here to Terre Haute, I think I, off the yeah. top of my head, I can probably count three or four churches that used to be there and are no longer there. or their Yeah, buildings the building's are. just sitting yeah, sitting or they sold mm-hmm. their building. There's something else in it now, and it kind of looks weird because it looks like a church yeah. building, but it's not a <laughs> it's a business now. Um, right, which right. I always I always wonder how that looks on the inside. But anyway, um, but but yeah, I think you're 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 right. Is the landscape of a lot of it is is changing, and I know that mm-hmm. when I talk to Chris sometimes about you know churches even just here in our area and our town, you know he'll make references about yeah that church is you know holding on with 20 people left or something like that. And right. it, yeah. it's sad to think about, but it's also just kind of the reality of where we are right now. Um, yep. And if you're not digital, if you don't have some other way to connect with, you know, your congregation other than just Sunday morning, you're, you're going to lose people. You're going to lose their connection to you. Um, hence why we have a podcast. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Stay connected. Doing everything we can to try to meet people where they are. Exactly. That's what it's all about. Exactly. Exactly. All right, Dan, any more thoughts on this uh, cash giving stuff before we move on? Not particularly. I, I think it's a very, very interesting thing to observe. But being that we're so recently out of COVID, too, I think the next couple of years are what's going to be really telling. I agree. We'll check back on this one in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. On FCC yeah, it'll be talk. interesting to see where things go. Yeah. We'll monitor it for you. Don't worry. <laughs> we'll be watching the situation. <laughs> All right, let's get to our next one. Our next article is from relevant.com or relevantmagazine.com. Uh, I love Relevant Magazine. I think that, mm-hmm. um, you know, they, they, do, they have a good contrast of kind of, you know, 
on different issues and I enjoy yeah. the thought process of it all because not every single writer is the same and has the same beliefs. So it's interesting That's right. and challenging for myself to think through things. So, But anyway, in this article, it says, I disagree with my pastor. Should I say <laughs> something? Whoa. <laughs> uh, Has that ever stopped anybody? <laughs> right. <laughs> now, the difference is in this article, this article is not talking about, I didn't like the song selection, so I'm going to go talk to right. my pastor about it, which, you know, obviously, Dan, you would always be willing to talk to somebody about song selection and stuff like that. Sure. But, yeah. I love to hear opinions. Right. But this this one goes a little bit deeper than that. It's talking mm-hmm. about, you know, teaching in the church primarily. And so let's say you're sitting in service, you hear the preacher teach something, and you think it's heretical, or you think it's just false or a lie, or they're interpreting scripture incorrectly. Um, you know, it can be uh, as bad as you think it's the worst thing ever, or as small as like, oh, I think he's missing a little bit there. Um, and they have kind of three steps of what they say you should do before you even talk to your pastor. And they say, number yep. one, what does the Bible say about it? Not what mm-hmm. did I learn? Not what does my tradition say? Not what was I taught all these years? But what does the Bible say about it? Because ultimately, that is our true authority. And then number two, is it me? Right? Is it me? Is there something with me that is just having an issue with this above something else? Whether it's because of a personal experience I've had, whether it's because of a tradition that I hold dear to my heart, something like that. And then number three, can I confront false teaching in a spirit of love and peace? Right. And I think that's a very mm-hmm. important step is, is how do I confront this? Am I able to confront this in such a way that I can still be loving, that I can still have a peaceful mind and say it in a peaceful way? Um, I, I just, I, I thought the article was well done. And, uh, mm-hmm. of course, all these articles I'll have linked in the description if you want to go read them. But my, Dan, my first question to you, do you agree with the advice given in the article about how to respond to a disagreement with a pastor's teaching? And would you add anything? to it. Honestly, I thought this was a great little article. You know, it's a really, really quick read. And there is some really great advice in here. You know, I think that, you know, this is, and and I like that you kind of pointed out, this is a bit more of a serious topic because we're not just talking about, oh, I didn't really like the song selection this morning, you know, which is really more of like a personal preference kind of thing. Now it can go deeper because, you know, if, if I were to choose a song and you were to hear something in there and go, I'm not sure that's biblical because those songs are out there, right? That's a whole different situation. But this isn't about personal preference. This is literally about like content, doctrine. This is more serious stuff. So I thought that what the article had to say was was very, very good advice. Step one, go to the scriptures. That is that's step one. Let the scriptures inform your opinion over what is true. Uh, I think that's that's the greatest thing. Second thing, you know, examining yourself. Am I in a bad mood? Or more likely, is there some sin issue in my life which is making me react negatively to what I just heard? That's the most common thing, right? And sometimes we don't even see it until we're called out on it. You know, once again, it's that light in darkness thing. We We can have a behavior or an activity or a mindset, an ideology that is unbiblical and all of a sudden the scriptures through the message call us on the carpet one sunday morning and we go whoa 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 you know and and so we have to 
you know, examine ourselves and say, well, is this me? Is there, did I just have something uncovered that I am not, you know, correct on? And then, uh, like you said, how to go about confronting it. Really good advice here. If your goal is to be right, you probably shouldn't do it yet. You should pray on it and you should, you know, consult the Lord and, and wait for the right time because in all things, love, right? The purpose of correcting false teaching is to benefit the church because we want people to be taught correctly so that they can draw closer to God, right? right? If we're just wanting to prove the preacher wrong, that's not a good motivation, okay? That's that's done out of selfishness and pride. So yeah, great little article, man. I hope yeah. everybody takes a couple of them because it's super quick to read. I hope everybody oh, yeah. reads this one. Yeah, it's done in such a concise way as yeah, well. There's very some good. ads around it that make it look longer, but you know, yeah. what are you, we were just talking about that. <laughs> when are you not going to find ads on an article nowadays? No, I completely agree. And, and my favorite part was the, is it me? And just what it had to say, obviously mm-hmm. I don't have time to read it all here, but just what it had to say about self-examination in yourself, you know, emotional intelligence and, and intelligence about your own self is yeah. one of the most critical factors of of ourselves, right? Uh, Now, obviously, I'm not perfect at it. I don't know anybody who is perfect at it. But that is what I always try to do when I am in a situation where I'm like, oh, I disagree with this person or oh, this is something that I don't like. And I'm trying to think, yeah, is it just me? You know, right? I don't I don't want to cause a fuss about this. If I'm the only person who has a problem with it, or if I'm the only person seeing the issue, because if I'm the only person it's probably got something to do with, you know, yeah. like you said, something yeah. in my life that is different than other people uh, that is causing that. So, yep. um, Dan, I, and I, also, I, yeah. And also but, I have gone through this process before. Yeah. I have that gone my through next this question. Oh, was it really? Well, yeah. Then, oh, yeah. Do you have I'm any sorry to... personal? No, you're good. Do you have any personal experience with like disagreeing with a pastor or like somebody in your family who has disagreed with teaching or anything like that? What happened? If you're comfortable sharing that and what did you learn from it? I'll share it in kind of a general sense because I don't want to use any names or anything like that in this particular situation. But I will say that I did go through this this process. I do have a personal experience with this. And I remember it because it started off very subtle. Okay. So little things here and there that I was hearing, you know, because sometimes as, as you know, the, a, a person's perspective of truth and a person's personal theology is an incredibly deep, many faceted thing. And we all develop them over time coming to know the Lord. And so sometimes with a person who's teaching, you know, you kind of get little glimpses here and there. And this process took me two years to go through before I was ready to actually bring anything up to any kind of, I, I guess you could call it a confrontation. Once again, I tried to do it out of love. It's like, is this really what we should be you know, teaching people in our church. Right. But it did. It took me two years of, you know, going to the scriptures, considering what was being said, trying to examine myself, making sure I wasn't acting in pride or selfishness, and then trying to present it, you know, in, in love and in a hope of change. And I'll tell you, it did not change. What I, what I had to say did not change anything, but at least I did speak out and feel like I communicated it in love. And then maybe that's another thing to add is just because you've come to a conclusion 
it's very, very possible that even if you do go through this process, it won't necessarily be received right on the other end. So, um, but once again, that's on the, that's on the Lord and on the spirit to work in the heart of that person. And, um, we have to trust that he's going to be at work in that. Yeah, of course. And, and I think Sorry, that was a long rant. No, you're good. I think that was a great point there at the end. You know, we just have to trust that God is working and uh, in those situations, and we have to rely on Him as well. Even if you know nothing, nothing always changes. You know, we have to rely on Him that He'll lead us through what we need to get through and lead us in that situation as well. I had a family member, a couple family members, who they they were attending a church for a while, and things didn't really work out there, and uh, so they had they had left the church and they got to a new church and they loved this new church. It was closer Hmm. to their house, felt like it was a better community, felt like they could be more involved. The other church was like a half hour away from their house. This new church was only like a 10 minute drive. So they just felt like they were more a part of the church, a part of the community and those things. And so they, they, they really drew in and got closer and really enjoyed the, uh, just, everything that the church was the, the worship the they got involved in serving yeah. and the the teams that they were on it just it, it it was really really good and then something happened that made them question whether the church had proper teaching or not mm-hmm. and i remember them them calling me it's not a family member that i talk to super often but i remember them calling me and saying hey i know you work in a church this is going on we love our church but can we still go here if we have these thoughts? And so, of course, I talked it through with them, and I wasn't necessarily going to try to argue with them on if it was right or wrong or anything, but I just I told them, I said, go to the Scripture, figure out, does scripture is, is Scripture against it or is Scripture for it? Figure that out first and foremost, and then just go to your minister and talk to him. Don't try to say, this is what the Bible says. Listen right here. Don't try to do all those. Like, just go express your concern, talk to them, and then figure it out. Well, when they went to go talk to him, the the uh, the minister shared his point of view and what he had read in Scripture. And it was, an, again, another one of those areas where it's kind of like you can see both sides of it a little bit. You know, now I obviously have my thoughts, as I'm sure uh, if, I, if I told you what this issue was, many people would have their thoughts on it as well. Sure. He was, he was kind of operating in such a way where it was like, let's find a middle ground. And so they never really resolved the issue, but they heard the senior minister talk about it, understand where he was coming from. And though they didn't necessarily agree with him, they felt like it wasn't a big enough issue that it hindered them spiritually or it hindered the church spiritually or anything like that. And so they still do go there uh, to that church. And when this issue comes up, they just do their best to try and stay away from it and not like just completely get rid of it and, and ignore it, but just try to have an understanding that this is not a salvation issue. You know, yes, this we have our mm-hmm. thoughts on this issue, but we we love the other people uh, in our church and, and, and their situations uh, and what and we respect their thoughts on it as well. And so I don't know if you could do that with every single issue. Um, I think if there's sure. some stuff that you really have a hard and fast belief on. I don't know if you could just overlook it like that, but but I felt like it was an interesting situation that was able to convey that sometimes when you're a part of a community, 
Not everybody mm-hmm. agrees on everything, right? Boy, that's the truth. We we run a, a non-denominational church here, and we have people from all kinds of do- denominations, <laughs> traditions, and everything that come here. Yeah, and I'm positive that not everybody agrees on everything here. <laughs> I think you're so, you're pretty correct on that one, John. Yeah, <laughs> and so if we can if if we can come under one roof and say, it's Christ who unites us. Yes, we have our beliefs, but it's Jesus Christ that unites us. That's what's most important. So any more thoughts on, uh, on on the disagreeing with your pastor stuff like that, Dan? Not really any more thoughts. I would just encourage everybody out there that when it comes to these kind of issues, you know, look to the scriptures and look at yourself sometimes. And I've been in this boat too. Sometimes our knee jerk reaction is just to, you know, speak up and start saying something, but there's a little there. If you take anything away from this, do some pre-work first. Yeah. Go to the scripture, pray about That's it. Right. Talk to somebody else who maybe is not a part of the situation that can give you. And look in a mirror. And guidance. Yes. And look in mm-hmm. a mirror as well. That's very, very important. All right, Dan, I got to get a drink of water because this next one. It's going to be. A I know. Here we go. All right. This is so, the one I'm looking forward to. We don't do this a lot on FCC Talk. However, I felt like this would be an interesting conversation. And I know, Dan, Dan, look at you sit back. You're ready for it. I'm going to do this. Um, And I know Dan is really into apologetics. And so I wanted to get into this a little bit. And, of course, I found this article on the Gospel Coalition, which we all know I just love so much. So I thought, why not? Let's go for it. So on the Gospel Coalition, there is a new article. uh, Well, I guess it was released earlier this week. But does your desire for God disprove his existence? And this article is all about a new little book. It's not very big, but a new little book that has an apologetic argument for atheists about our desire for God. And basically what their argument is in this, uh, David... Bedell's, I don't know if I'm saying his last name correctly. Bedile, I think. Bedile, yeah. Anyway, his argument is essentially that because we have an urge and a yearning for God, that means God doesn't exist. Now, if that sounds familiar at all, it's because it is kind of the inverse of C.S. Lewis's apologetic argument that I desperately want to believe in God, so therefore there must be God, right? And so essentially, he's just taking C.S. Lewis's argument and saying, no, that actually is why he believes that God does not exist, which is crazy. Um, but anyway, there's a part of his book that I want to read really fast, and then we'll go to Dan on this because I know he has a lot of thoughts. But uh, an excerpt from his book, human beings can desire things they don't have, but that existentially exist. The God desire is an urge for something to exist for which there is no existential proof and no one has in concrete terms experienced. Later on, he goes in the book and he says that, you know, we know we, if you're in the desert and you want water, you might see a mirage of water. Well, that's because you have an urge and a yearning for water. That doesn't just because you have that urge doesn't just because you have that yearning doesn't mean that water exists similar to just because we want there to be a creator, somebody who made everything that doesn't mean a creator exists. All right, Dan. (laughs) I, I found this article very, very interesting because this isn't the first time I've heard something like this. This is 
honestly, I mean, it, it hits you the first time and you go, oh, well, maybe that's got some merit. But when you start looking into this argument, this is actually very, very, a very shallow way to look at things. And part of the problem with this article is the fact that it comes back to atheism in general. If you look at the quote that you just read, and I think I'm seeing the same one here, yeah, the, the God desire quote. is an urge for something to exist for which there is no existential proof and that no one has in concrete terms experienced. That's just not true. Okay. That is just not true. The problem is He's, he can say there is no existential proof because he is not willing to accept the proof that has been put before him. There's a big difference. You know, what is the goalpost for what you personally will accept? This takes a very, very narrow view and attempts to write off the entire existence of God based upon one very small, narrow angle. It makes the assumption that the only reason people would want to believe in God is because they're afraid to die. And yet Jesus doesn't say, you know, Jesus does. Jesus says, come to me and be filled. Jesus comes into our lives with the understanding, not that we're afraid to die, but that we are empty and in need of being filled with something and having purpose. I mean, eternal life starts here. It doesn't start when we die. We 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 enter into a relationship, the relationship we'll experience with Christ for the rest of our existence when we accept Him in this life. And so, for some, yes, there is that fear of dying. I think that is a strong motivator, and that's appropriate because Christ does save us for eternity. But there's so much more to it than that. And to make claims like there is no existential proof, right? Well, you have to open up the umbrella just a little bit more than that, because there are many, many very strong arguments for the existential existence of God. Maybe not necessarily who we know is God, but for a supreme creator. But anyway, there are many, many different arguments for the existence of God. And there is also, there is also a lot of very interesting experiential evidence, the majority of which is comprised in the historicity in the life and the burial death or death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the personhood of Jesus Christ. It's just the fact that guys who come from this angle, they do not want to accept it. And so they say, well, it doesn't exist. Well, it does exist. They are just not willing to accept it. Correct. And, and and what a lot of it comes down to is just because you have a longing for something to be there doesn't mean it doesn't exist i mean atheists long for there to be an answer of why the world is here so exactly they come up with well there was an explosion how they at one happened. time in our past there was a quantum singularity which resulted in everything coming from nothing which for a believer in science is quite a leap of faith yes yes and that's and <sighs> That's that's why a lot of people hold on to that, because even though it's quite a leap of faith, it's an ex explanation that can happen, I suppose. But really, it can happen. But in their minds, it, it maybe can happen. Um, I, I, this book by Dallas Willard, I read it when I took a theology class in, in Bible college, uh, The Divine Conspiracy. This is just a fantastic book that not only goes through, you know, why we have a belief in God, but also just outlines everything in our world that 
leads us to that belief as well. There's that verse in Isaiah, and I'm trying to remember it exactly, Dan. Help me out here. But God is, uh, eternity is on our hearts. I think it's. Um, oh, like he's inscribed eternity on our hearts. Yes, exactly. Um, and, and that this book kind of goes into that a little bit where it's like, we, we know there is God. We have an urging, a yearning for God, and we can look around us and see that none of this would just be possible to happen by chance. There, there is too far of a chance. And so we are able to know there is a God and experience God in different ways because of everything around us, not just people, but also his creation, but also our knowledge, but also uh, what we're able to create that we are able to create because there is a creator first. I mean, I think that's one of the biggest arguments is that humans are able to create because they were created, right? You, you don't just all of a sudden throw a bunch of stuff together and say, now create your own thing. It doesn't work yep. like that. You know, um, we have to be it's called created. the argument for intelligent design. Exactly. We have to be created in order to create. And I, I just, I, I, like I said, I just love this book so much. I think it outlines it in so many great ways. I have my blur on the background, so you probably didn't see it, but uh, the divine conspiracy, Dallas Willard, mm-hmm. if you're a theology nut, uh, you'll like that book for sure. But mm-hmm. um, Dan, my other question for you is obviously this is an argument that you were able to pretty well refute, but there are other arguments out there that when we encounter them, they're they're difficult. And you've spoken about that to the church before, about how you've mm-hmm. had struggles with different arguments and stuff like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Um, how how important is apologetics in the in the life of kind of just your everyday Christian? Well, I think that I think that having a basic understanding is vital, you know, for certain very simple questions. Um, I, th- there's a certain element of it that's very philosophical, which doesn't necessarily resonate with everyone. But even the script, Paul says everybody should be ready with a defense, you know, an explanation for why you believe what you believe. If you don't know why you believe what you believe, that there is a very strong reality that there are a lot of people out there that are more knowledgeable about the lies than we would be about our truth. And so we need to be ready at all times to be able to explain why we believe what we believe. We also need to have the faith that if we don't have the answer in the moment, that the answer is out there. Sometimes it's really easy to, you know, hear a, hear a compelling argument and go, Oh man, am I wrong? You know, there was a, there was a, um, oh, I can't remember where I heard it. It was like a, um, uh, a guy doing like some freestyle poetry one time where he talked about doubting your doubts. You know, when you have doubts, why do I have doubts? You know, and, and doubt your doubts. You know, once again, this kind of goes back to what we talked about with the confronting your pastor thing, right? Right. Examine yourself, go to the scriptures, start there. You know, don't jump to conclusions. Don't be too hasty, you know, do some research. But I think, A basic understanding, especially considering the world we live in, which has become secularized to the point where people literally try to convince themselves that there is no supreme creator, okay? It's very, very helpful personally and from a communication standpoint to at least have a basic understanding of simple apologetics and simple reasons for both the existence, identity, and the que- answer to the question, who is God? Right. Which ultimately is the biggest question of all. Who is 
God. And that's mm-hmm. kind of who is God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who, who is God and kind of what apologetics is centered around in a lot of ways, because, sure. you know, it's about the existence of God and who he is. Certain cultures, you don't have to even ask the question of, is there a God? Right. Because it's built in. They, they have an understanding that there is a greater force, right? The question you have in America, we have to start with, is there a God? Because we are such a secularized, atheistic, naturalist-leaning culture. So it kind of depends on who you're talking to as well. Well, we're a very prideful culture as well, to where we want to be the ones in charge of us. Nobody can tell us what to do. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, even, yep. even you know, my generation, you know, kind of has, has a big head about themselves. And I don't want to be led by anybody. I don't want anybody to be in charge of me. You know, there's a lot of people my yep. age who they don't want to work for companies. They only want to be in charge because at the end of the day, they don't want to be told what to do. Uh, and even that can, can rear its ugly head into, you know, uh, having a problem with there being a God because it's like, Oh, you mean somebody created me? Somebody's in charge of me. Um, and, and it's a very prideful thing that, you know, we have to be able to get through and be humble enough to say, yeah, there is God and he's in charge of my life. And, you know, maybe that doesn't sound humble to some of us because maybe we've lived it out all of our lives. But for a lot of people, it can be really, really hard. There's another book that I have. Oh, I think it's called The Explicit Gospel. And it's all about how the message of Jesus dying for us is so great. And it's so amazing. Mm -hmm. But like the message is not he died for you so you can now be in charge of your life the message is he died for you now serve god and it's like Mm -hmm. that's the explicit part that jesus didn't die for you to just go on and do whatever you feel like jesus died for you so now you will serve god and now you will you know be live your life for him and it's Mm -hmm. all about you know not just helping people understand that Jesus died for them, but helping people understand who God is as well. So, mm-hmm. all right, Dan, any more thoughts on any of that stuff before we move on? Um, the only thought that I have is I, there is a book that I'd recommend. Let me grab it real quick. Ugh. I mentioned this book when I preached last. I recommend this to everybody. This is a great starting point. If you only ever... Read or look into one book, look into this book, okay? This is the book On Guard by William Lane Craig. William Lane Craig is one of my favorites. Um, He's been doing this for a long time. This book is the culmination of, or I can't turn it right for the camera. It's the culmination, it's like doing it in a mirror. It's really weird. This is the culmination of like four decades worth of research and philosophical study, okay? And it's kind of boiled down into words that even I can understand. So, uh, (laughs) if you read one, this is a great one to read. Well, the thing too is, and I'll say this really fast before I move on and then I promise we'll move on. But the thing is a lot of these arguments, uh, and apologetics for atheism arguments against God, none of them are new. They just get recycled over the years. They get retold Mm -hmm. in different ways. Um, because at the end of the day, there's only so many arguments that, mankind can come up with and then they get disproved and then somebody goes back to the drawing board or somebody just doesn't believe it in their heart and they say well how can we put this in a different way and so uh, a lot of these apologetic 
books like what you shared there with William Lynn Craig. And this isn't so much an apologetic book, but just a, a good book about your belief. The, a lot of them, once you read it once and you know it, you know, it, kind of what you need to know. <laughs> I mean, the, yeah, well, the question and it, of, it, yeah. of does God let bad things happen to good people? Like, that question doesn't really change. It just kind of gets regurgitated in different ways. And that's probably the hardest question, yeah. honestly. That's the question that has been the biggest stumbling block for the longest time. And that's probably the biggest shell in Satan's arsenal that he'll use to try to shake your faith. And really, that's kind of the question. It seems like every argument, every atheist debate that I've ever watched, it kind of comes back to. I like watching atheists and Christians debate on YouTube, and almost every single time it comes back to something like that. It's like, well, if your God loves you so much, then why do bad things happen to you? It's like, Mm -hmm. well, that's the question. It's because we were created to serve God. He is not entitled to serve us. Right, right. And the thing I always say is, what kind of bad things did God not let happen to you? That's what I say Mm -hmm. often, which isn't necessarily the one answer for all, but it does kind of turn it around a little bit. And, and mm-hmm. I like getting into that discussion. So, all right, Dan, let's move on from the apologetics. Let's talk just about you and I for a little bit. Uh, what you eating, what you watching, what you drinking, is there anything <laughs> new going on uh, that you want to share with everybody? New TV show, new book, new recipe. Um, you know, I, I know you guys got some chickens recently. I don't know if you've talked about that on here before, but, just anything yeah i don't know lives yeah chickens are fun you know the the, you know just kind of watching i never thought it would be so amusing to just watch a bird be a bird but they're they're pretty funny to watch you know i think it's the look in their eyes because they look like perpetually confused and offended all at the same time as they're kind of staring around the yard they're a lot of fun uh aside from that i don't know man there's not a whole lot new going on right now we're just getting ramped up for christmas time which is kind of an all-consuming thing. I'm looking forward to that. Um, What am I? I mean, there's not a lot new in our world, you know? What about you guys? What's new in your world? Oh, just Christmas and getting all that stuff ready, trying to figure out, you know, the, the, um, and I know not everybody does it. We, we do Santa in our house. And so trying Mm -hmm. to figure out how do we, Yeah, do that with a two-year-old because Lottie loves yeah. the presents. But you know, if I tell her Santa, you know, she didn't she doesn't think twice about it. She just thinks presents <laughs> are under the tree when she wakes up on one morning. Um, so you know, but we're just going through plans for what we can do this year. Uh, Hannah's parents bought us tickets for um, oh, what's the? There's like a there's like a uh, I can't even think of the name of it. Where people do the singing. Uh, and they do the instrument noises and stuff like that with their voices. They don't oh, like an acapella. Group. Yes, there's like an acapella group that is really famous from Indiana, uh, from IU actually, and they're coming back to play a show at IU. And so Hannah's parents got us tickets for that. So we're gonna go is see- that uh, is that straight no chaser? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're going to go see that. That's going to be fun. Um, and with her parents, so um, we'll we'll have a good time with that. And you know, football is over. But basketball has just begun, so now I'm watching that. <laughs> <laughs> but yep, that's what I got. So, all cool. right, Dan. Truth Tuesday. It's not Tuesday, but we uh, are re- repurposing Truth Tuesday to this part of the episode instead. Do you have a Bible yep. verse or anything you've been reading lately you want to share with everybody? 
Got a couple things uh, this year or this season being Christmas time. You know, we're talking a lot about light in the darkness, and that's kind of the one of the big themes of this season. So I just want to read a couple of verses and uh, talk about it for about 10 seconds. And uh, I'm going to read a bit from First John and then read just a couple of verses from the book of John in the first chapter. So First John, first chapter, starting at verse five, John writes, he says, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So what what is the key? The key is to be in the light. The key is to move from the darkness and into the light. But what is the light specifically? If you look at the book of John in the very first chapter, Starting in the fourth verse, it's talking about Christ, and it says, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Christ is the light. It's Christmas season. This is literally a season of light penetrating darkness, of Jesus, of God incarnate coming down from heaven, infiltrating a world of darkness darkness and emptiness and despair. And thinking about our apologetics argument, that is really the crux of the matter. It is not we are afraid to die. It's that we are filled with darkness and we are in need of the light. So I would just encourage everybody um, as as you're listening to all this, you know, to think about, and I got to do this to myself, what's in my heart, right? Is there darkness where I need to shine a light? If the if the pastor says something and I disagree with him, is he wrong or did I just have something uncovered that needs to be addressed? Think about that. Where is the light? Am I walking in it? Great points, Dan. Great points. I think that's that's fantastic. We're talking about uh, Jesus is the light in Kid Zone on Sunday. So you talking about that? And I actually think one of those verses is the like key verse that we use. I forget which one, but it probably is. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm excited for it because I always enjoy talking about Jesus is the light to the kids. I think it it you know kind of turns on that light bulb for them a little bit where it's just such a tangible thing that they can understand that really yeah helps them in that way so they know what happens when you flip on a light switch right exactly well and it's so Mm -hmm. easy too you can just turn off the lights in the room and be like this is what it's like without god you see nothing and everything's scary (laughs) (laughs) but when you have god boom here come the lights everything's better Right, right. So obviously that's a very simplified version, but you know what? When it works, when we're working with six year olds, that's what we got. Yeah. (laughs) So I love it. All right. Well, hey, thanks, Dan, so much for being with us today, sharing your thoughts and your message about the light uh, and those things. You have anything about the Christmas season or this coming year, anything like that about the worship ministry you want to share before we get out of here? Oh, specifically, I mean, we got a lot of events coming up. <clears throat> I'm not sure when this podcast is going to get posted. We've got so much going on this December. I would just, I would just encourage everybody to, you know, to come out to one of the Christmas Eve services if you catch this before, you know, Christmas time. Whenever it is that you're listening, you know, come out, check out one of the Christmas Eve services. Keep yourself focused on Christ this Christmas season. That's very important as far as the worship ministries going. It's, it's pretty much the same thing. You know, we're constantly looking for folks who have 
you know, um, a desire to serve. You know, there's there's a lot of positions open in the worship ministries, some behind the scenes, some on the stage. I could really use some more um, musicians, some players, but I could also really use some people to, you know, work behind the scenes with lights and media and some of this stuff. And, you know, we demystify all this. <laughs> if you sign up, you know, we'll make sure you have what you need to know to be able to do it. It's a great way to serve. And you don't even have to be seen if you don't want to. It's it's great. I've, you know, um, there's, there's something for everybody. So that's really, that's really where we're going. My brother would be all over that. He uh, he was always the type of person that's like, I'll do whatever you want, but just don't put me in front of people. So. Exactly. Just keep me off the stage for crying out. Yeah. <laughs> Throw me in the back and I'm fine. I'll do whatever and I, you That's do. right. That's right. Yeah. My, my dad feels uh, prestigious at his church because the worship minister told him the other day that uh, he is her camera guy or her uh, computer guy and everything. And he said, well, what do you mean by that? She said, well, I need you to do all the Christmas Eve services because you're my computer guy and you do it best. And so, of course, my dad's like, well, I don't want to do every Christmas Eve service. But then he's also like, oh, I can do every Christmas well, Eve I'm, service. I'm pretty good. <laughs> yeah. And why do you think she came to him and said, you're my best? It's because yeah. I need somebody for every single Christmas Eve service. Yeah, exactly. You've never used that before, right, Dan? Oh, all right hey thanks so much dan for coming on thank you everybody for listening to fcc talk we should be back with another episode next week hope you listen in have a great day all right